As we enter into this Advent season, we know that all is not right with the world. Whether the not right resides within us, our emotional or relational world, or maybe more broadly, in our churches, our neighborhood, or the wider world around us, we have an unsettled feeling that something just isn't right. We feel grief, we lament, we feel anger and protest. We feel a deep longing as we engage in a hurting world and with our hurting selves. How long will we wait, O Lord? If Christmas is the ultimate celebration of our joy, then Advent is for our longing. Falling to pieces, engaging Advent, even when all is not right with the world. I lost hope this Christmas season. I mean, I didn't mean to. In fact, I'm not even sure where I lost it. But lo and behold, somewhere between the eggnog and the garland, I slowed down enough to realize my trusty sense of all manner of things shall be well had gone missing. Had I misplaced it? Did it disappear forever? Surely, I thought. I can't spend the Christmas season feeling like this. And for the last few weeks, I've done what every other Christmas-loving Enneagram 7 deck-the-halls kind of lady would do. I made some serious effort to provoke hope from its hiding place. Activities like hanging stockings by the fire with care, an Advent service with candles and slow carol singing, or a house brimming over with friends at the 10th annual Elle's Christmas party. Yes, that is a thing. They didn't help me locate my missing hope. Between you and me, I'd kind of resigned myself to the fact that maybe 2019 would be a micro-hopeful kind of Christmas. One where I give Elvis and his blue Christmas album a spin and have a good cry. However... God often has a sneaky way of showing up in my life, in unexpected ways and through unexpected people. A dear friend who was not aware of my hopeless state of affairs sent over a quote that caused me to raise my gaze, and I caught hope poking its head around the corner. And the quote goes like this, The prophet engages in futuring fantasy. The prophet does not ask if the vision can be implemented, for questions of implementation are of no consequence until the vision can be imagined. The imagination must come before the implementation. Our culture is competent to implement almost anything and to imagine almost nothing. Walter Brueggemann Imagination before implementation. Whew, that'll preach. For some reason, those words just hit home, and they nudged hope out of its slumber all at the same time. Now, I do not presume myself to be a prophet in any sense of the word, but I do engage in an awful lot of future fantasy, imagining at great lengths what the church in Canada could one day be. Every time I start to dream of all the things, 
my imagination lights up like fireworks with possibilities, promise, potential. It fills me with great wonder, deep curiosity, and of course, a sense of Jesus-drenched hope that things don't have to be as they currently are. I blame all of this beautiful and incessant pondering about the future on all of you. You, the inspiring, faithful, and Jesus-loving innovators that show up and share your stories and your lives at learning parties and design shops, discernment pathways, and other New Leaf events. In these places of spaciousness, where together we engage in future fantasy, dreaming of starting new worshiping communities, new missional engagements, new neighborhood initiatives, I get glimpses of the body of Christ as it could be, and those moments are so devastatingly beautiful. Taste and see that Jesus is good moments. Show and tell that the Spirit is at work moments. Bread and wine for the journey moments where I wish I could take out a takeout container and keep feasting long after I'm home. And yet, I'm so quickly overwhelmed by the seeming realities of our age that all is still not right with the world, or the church, or in me. And I'm back to where I was, looking underneath beds and in the back of closets, trying to figure out where I had misplaced my hope. I am starting to believe, in ever-increasing ways, this is the tension of what it means to follow Christ in our time and in our place. We are living our entire lives in Advent, making our home in this in-between time. We're setting up shop right in the middle of the way things are and the way things ought to be. We stand in a dark place, but with our faces towards the dawn. We celebrate on this Christmas morning a baby in a manger who has come and yet will come again all the while holding on to hope in one hand and our broken world in the other. When all is not right with the world, it can be so easy to believe that hope is for the naive, for the glass half full crowd, reserved for times when life is up and to the right. It can be easy to believe that hope is for the sweet souls among us who've never seen the dark side of institutions never suffered any hardships, never been marginalized, or really don't ever read the news. But this Christmas, I am coming to see that hope in Christ is the most revolutionary, countercultural, resistance-starting, new-life-dreaming, reimagining of what could be subversive posture that a human being could ever hope to embody. Cynicism in our world and in our times, it's so easy. But believing something could change while simultaneously saying things aren't right? Believing something new can be birthed even in our midst? That kind of hope? That kind of hope is courageous. Hope that is rooted not just in a place, but in a person. Hope that is rooted not just in calling out what is wrong, 
but grabbing a shovel and planting seeds for what one day will be right. Hope that is rooted in a reality, yet still longs for the day that is coming, where swords are beaten into plowshares, the captives are set free, and Canada is healed. Sounds almost foolish. Almost foolish enough to be true? Zechariah 9.12 reminds us of this truth with such a beautiful turn of phrase. It says, Return to your fortress, O you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. O you prisoners of hope. O you prisoners of hope. Have you been engaging in some future fantasy? desiring to birth something new? Have you been dreaming of seeing something fresh and new break out in your existing church? Have you been imagining a neighborhood presence that bears the faithful witness to the real and transformative power of Jesus? Well, return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Keep desiring. Keep dreaming. Keep imagining and hold on to hope as it holds on to you. At the deepest dark here in the Northern Hemisphere is precisely the time we choose to celebrate the historical birth of Christ, reminding us that even in the darkest times, hope is born. The light is breaking in. The days are turning. The infinite has taken up residence in our finite world, the fullness of God here in human form. For us, fellow brothers and sisters, a child is born. To us, in these times of darkness, a son is given. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, our future fantasy and our ever-present hope even when we thought we'd lost it. So may you, fellow prisoners of hope, know in deep and meaningful ways this mysterious miracle of a baby who comes in vulnerability to grant us our liberation, restoration, and redemption. May you, fellow prisoners of hope, even in the spaciousness of uncertainty, In the polarized choice our culture offers us of pessimism or optimism, choose to cultivate, practice, and abide in revolutionary, countercultural, Jesus-centered hope. And may you, fellow prisoners of hope, desire, dream, and imagine of starting new and beautiful things this Christmas season as we sing together from coast to coast, united in one voice. O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And ransom captive That mourns in lonely 
to 